there are times that it is extremely helpful to have a witness. If you make the shot of your lifetime on the golf course and the ball rolls in for a hole in one, you probably hope that somebody is there to witness it with you. I'm not saying that nobody's going to believe you. Well, maybe I am saying that nobody's going to believe you unless you've got somebody else who can corroborate that story. It's good to have a witness. If you want your wedding to be legally recorded in the state of Arizona, two witnesses in addition to the pastor are going to have to sign the marriage certificate to make sure that uh, they affirm what took place. If you get into an automobile accident because not you but somebody else was driving recklessly, your insurance company probably isn't going to care about your side of the story unless you have somebody else that can back it up and say, yeah, it was somebody else's fault. In front of us today is an account, is an event in the life and the ministry of Jesus, and his ascension required witnesses. In a slightly different way, still today, this event requires witnesses. And from the experience of the disciples, the apostles, when Jesus ascended into heaven, we can each learn to be a witness of the ascended Savior. To truly be a witness of the ascended Savior, first, you need to learn the lessons of His life. Our reading from the first chapter of the book of Acts really summarizes quite briefly what those lessons are. It, the lesson from Acts, talks about suffering, talks about Jesus' suffering. It talks about the many convincing proofs that he gave to his disciples that he was alive. In other words, it doesn't flat out say it, but we know that he was dead. The rest of Scripture tells us that as well. He not only suffered, he suffered all the way to death. We know from all of Scripture that this is true. Jesus suffered a great many things at the hands of his own countrymen and also at the hands of the Romans who were over in authority over his countrymen. Jesus suffered all the way to dying on the cross, a torturous form of execution. But after that, and for 40 days, Jesus proved over and over again that he was indeed alive. Luke, whom God used to write both the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts, in his Gospel, Luke records more details about the life lessons from Jesus. He wrote, Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written, and so it must be. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from 
Jerusalem. These are incredibly important life lessons that we learn from Jesus. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the good news that we all need to hear. The lessons that we learn from the life of Jesus mean that he has done everything for us. He's done all the things that we couldn't do. He's brought forgiveness of sins. He's brought life and salvation to us. These lessons about his suffering, about his death, well, they force us to remember, to consider why he needed to suffer, why he needed to die. And the reason for all of this is right here in our hearts. Why would Jesus be willing to go to such a gruesome death? Why would he be willing to do so many things and to suffer so many things? Well, Christ came to save sinners. He came to bring forgiveness to a world of sinners. For people who could invent and who could do the sort of evil that we see all around us and in the past few weeks, haven't we seen plenty of it? He came to forgive hearts that lead people to wage war against each other. That lead people to rip babies out of wombs because they're not wanted. Lead people to shoot school children. And He came to save people who who may not do any of those things, but whose hearts are still full of the same anger and jealousy and hatred and selfishness and darkness. And if you don't consider yourself to be in that group of people, then please look a little more carefully. And don't just look at the times that are your best of times, Look in particular at your times that are your worst moments. And then rejoice that Jesus forgives sin. This is the main lesson from his life. He died for every sin. He died for your sins, every single one of them. And he is alive again. The disciples saw him alive. They ate with him. They listened to him. They learned from him. They heard his teaching. And then they watched him ascend into heaven. Christ's ascension marks his work on earth as complete. Every lesson that he needed to teach those disciples so that they could pass it down to future generations had been taught. Every proof that he needed to make regarding not just his death, but his resurrection to life again, every proof had been given. And so just as he said he would, Jesus went to his Father's side. And for that, he needed witnesses. You know, it's interesting. Nobody was there to see Jesus rise from the dead. They didn't actually have to be there. It wasn't like one of these medical drama scenes where it gets really quiet and then all of a sudden you hear the beep, beep beep of the heart monitor springing back again, that wasn't necessary because after he was alive again, Jesus could appear to Mary and the disciples and to others to show them, to give convincing proofs 
that he was most certainly alive. And to teach them, to share with them the, the good news of forgiveness, the certainty that was there because Jesus had risen from the dead. People didn't need, their, need to be there to witness it, but Jesus couldn't just sneak off to heaven. Because if that's what happened, if Jesus went with nobody to see it, then they might wonder, where did he go? Maybe he's just someplace else. They wouldn't know for sure where he was like they knew for sure that he had risen from the dead. And so Jesus had witnesses. He had these apostles who got to gaze at him as he was rising up into the clouds until they could see him no longer. Their lessons were learned. They saw what they needed to see, and now they were witnesses. They were witnesses so that they could be witnesses into the world. They would tell others what they had learned. They would tell others what they had seen. They would proclaim this good news far and wide. They would pass it on, as we mentioned, to future generations. They did all of this because they also relied on the promises that Jesus had made. Jesus gave these disciples, these apostles, these witnesses some very specific promises. He instructed them that they should stay in Jerusalem while they were waiting for his promises to be fulfilled. He promised that there he would pour out on them in a powerful way the Holy Spirit. He would equip them for this work that he was assigning them to do. He would make them bold witnesses in that city and in that region and all the way to the ends of the earth. Jesus gives us promises too. He allows us to be his witnesses as we know the lessons of his life and as we rely on the promises he has made to us. He's promised never to leave us. We heard that sung actually in our gospel acclamation today. What an amazing promise and what a strange event that at the same time that ascension means that Jesus is going away, he's also not going away. Because he made that same promise to those disciples that he would never leave them, he would be with them always, and so he has been. All the ascension meant was that they didn't see him anymore in the same way that Jesus is still with us today even though we don't see him. That is his promise. He's given us the Holy Spirit, too. That wasn't done in the same flashy and amazingly outward way that it was with those disciples. We're going to talk more about that next week. But he promises that through the Holy Spirit's work in us, he's going to get us through everything that we face. He's going to see us safely through everything to the home that he's promised us in heaven. He's promised that he's gone there to prepare a place for you and for me. And those promises stand. Those promises stand whether we're dealing with good times or with bad times. Those promises stand whether it's a time when we 
feel like Jesus is with us or we don't feel like that way at all. The promises of our ascending Savior are what we rely on, in particular when we face challenges, when we face difficulties. I've heard from any number of people how much it affected them when they heard the news earlier this week about those 19 school children who were shot and killed. But too many people have also been turning to things other than God's promises. They've tried to work out earthly solutions to a problem that's really a spiritual problem. They've made up their own expectations instead of relying on Christ's promises. They've turned to human wisdom instead of listening to what our Savior says. Our Savior tells us that there are bad things, there are evil things, and those evil things, those terrible things will continue as long as this present world continues. No law is going to make this into a perfect society because no laws can change people's hearts. But the promise can. The promise is that no evil in this world can snatch us out of the, the powerful hands of our Savior, our Good Shepherd. No danger can destroy our relationship with our ascended Lord. Now, I understand we're not witnesses in the same sense that those disciples were. They got to see Jesus go up until the cloud hid them from, hid him from their sight, rather. But we are witnesses nonetheless. We're witnesses because our ascended Savior has seen to it that we've heard their testimony, that we have been given faith to believe it, that we have every confidence that they did that this is true, this is what happened. So we have learned the lessons from Jesus' life. We can rely on the promises He made. There's still one more factor to complete our lesson in being witnesses for our ascended Lord. The final step is that we anticipate His return. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples weren't quite sure what to do. Two angels appeared, and they caught the disciples just gazing up into the sky. And they said, here's the, here's the news. Just like you saw him go up, he's going to come back again. Jesus had promised that to his disciples before he had told them about going away and coming back at some other time. But the angels shared this news again at the very moment that the disciples needed to hear it. They had just watched Jesus ascend and the angels directed their attention to the fact that he would come back again so that they could anticipate it. See, their witness has been shared with us so that we can direct our attention in the same way. This is a matter of perspective. 
It's so easy for us to focus on earthly things. It's easy for us to focus on temporary things, on those things that are less important. We tend to gravitate, for example, to issues about money or about politics. We make all sorts of plans about our earthly futures. But witnesses of our ascended Lord should be more concerned about our eternal futures. As witnesses for and witnesses of our ascended Lord, as those who have learned lessons of His life, those who have relied on His promises, our focus shifts. Our focus shifts to the most important things of all. Jesus inspires us to give generously to the work of sharing His gospel with many others, the good news of what He has done. Jesus inspires us to step out of our comfort zones to tell other people about our Savior who is their Savior. Jesus inspires us to be confident, to have confidence, to have certainty in spite of political leaders who disappoint us or diseases that threaten us or tragedies that strike even when they seem that they strike again and again and again. Because we anticipate His return. We know that our home is not here. Our home is in heaven with Him. We will see Him coming back again. There are many times that it is valuable and important to have witnesses. This life-changing, this world-changing event of our Savior's ascension required witnesses. Witnesses who learned the lessons of His life, who relied on the promises He gave, and who anticipated His return. Through their witnesses, we've come to know Him better as well. We've come to that same position. We, like them, get to await His return. As forgiven children, forgiven children whose homes are in heaven with Him, and we, like them, get to share that good news with others. Amen.